members of the Spiritual Mother's Day, Destined to be Mother's Day, you will always be a Mother's Day. You don't need a child to be a Mother's Day. Uh, I've covered every Mother's Day possible. It's pretty scary that in the world we're living in now, you've got all sorts of freaking groups and political activists and all sorts of people trying to just distort Mother's Day. Hey guys, it's a Just like my rainbow, they're trying to distort that as well. Sorry, Kurt. <laughs> as you can see, I'm not really focused this morning because, quite frankly, I would have stayed at home if I didn't need to share something with you. <laughs> but I know that you uh, totally relate and you totally understand. So seriously, happy, 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 happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for being mothers. And I'm going to continue in that whole area because there's a lot of misconception about Mother's Day I personally feel. Um, so in honor of my own mom who lives in Jeffrey's Bay, I want to thank her so much for being such an incredible mother. The one thing I'll never forget about my mom was she, when it came to dinner, supper, lunch, whatever, it was a matter of you can't have a second plate. Ladies don't ever have a second plate of food. And I actually don't think that's a bad rule. It was all the gluttony we learned. <laughs> because sometimes food can turn into an addiction. And this is why Mother's Day is so complicated. Because there's so many yeses, no's, maybe, don't, perhaps try, lots of surveys. But the reality is if you're not in the mother's shoes, in her home, it's very difficult to uh, kind of recommend what you should be doing. So I'm speaking to every mommy in any capacity, wherever you are. And um, I want to extend this whole perception of being mothers. So, uh, I'm quite excited. But first of all, let me just do this so that you all just relax a little. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember that. Priority one. Okay, let me begin my journey. So, like I said, with the media and the world we're living in right now, you know, everybody's trying to look for loopholes and all sorts of things. And it's pretty tragic, like I said. But um, I just want to encourage you and reassure you this morning that there's more to what the world is saying than what God has called us to do. So the first scripture I'm going to read to you is Psalm 113. It specifically says, He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Love the enthusiasm I had this morning. Good thing I didn't plan any jokes. Because you just know that. This scripture's gone missing. That's how nervous I am. Had to hold on. Where'd it go? Okay. 
doesn't mean it's not meant to be for you, hey? Just give me a second. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Hat. Gotcha. Come on. Okay. Next scripture. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations. So, I'm going to take you ladies to a different place. So, from Mother's Day, I'm going to say Happy Motherly Day. Because whether we like it or not, little girls are born and naturally mother. It's not like they've had a child, they naturally mother. So it's almost natural for us girls to want to mother and take care of. I mean, little girls, you tell them dad's got an Ana and they're like nurse 101. They instinctively want to care. And what I'm trying to say to you this morning is, as mothers, we go through seasons. I must be honest. We go through that infant stage of, dear Lord, will I ever sleep again? We go through the toddler age of, will I ever be human again? And then we go through that primary school, will they ever stop back chatting me? And then they get to high school and you go, oh God, what now? Because that is the reality of the world we're living in. And I want to encourage you this morning that you don't have to be necessarily a biological mother to be a mother. And you know what, as you grow older and you mature and your children are married and you now have grandchildren, you have the opportunity to regroup and look for other children to mother. And when I say that, I'm not saying you're going to be disciplining other people's children. I'm saying you are going to have the privilege of being a safe place for children who need you. Because the world is desperate for significant interaction of the humankind. And sometimes moms are painful and sometimes children don't want to speak to moms. But you give them a mad hatter, like my darling friend Harminu isn't here, and many, many others, and children naturally feel the need to just blab and say whatever it is they can say to her because she's not their mother, but she is a woman that is a motherly woman. And each of us have that privilege. So I'm saying to you, grannies, if your children, like with Kurt and myself, our children don't live in Port Elizabeth, but there are children around us that we naturally need to ensure they go in the same place and they have hope and love in their future. Because when, when it comes to being a mom, you're so caught up in being the best you possibly can that it can be really exhausting. And it's really, really nice to know you've got other mummies that say, hey, I'm praying for your daughter. She's really special for me. Just let me know if there's anything you would like me 
to pray into for you. That, as a mother right now, is probably the most encouraging thing somebody can say to you. Because you're trying your best and at times you feel you're not coping. You're not doing it correctly. And when you have another woman who's been there, done that, that draws alongside of you and says, Man, I know this is hard, but I'm praying for your daughter. I'm praying for your son. How can I help you? Because we've become a world that is so self-centered. Or should I say, yes, the world has become so self-centered that it is up to us as a family church to become family, not just biological, but DNA, culture, community, family. And that means that you are all called to be bigger than just your natural children. And I want you to just take that perception and really, really embrace it. Because this is not only for women, this is for men as well. Goodness, the amount of young men that, that desperately need father figures in their lives is also just as, just as devastating. I mean, I got so excited the other day when we couldn't have built a treehouse that I got my own electric job. I mean, I thought it was absolutely incredible. And I thought, I thought to myself, how many boys have never used an electric drill? <laughs> how many boys have never used, I'm still going to use a chainsaw, I want you to cut down a tree. So how many boys have ever used a chainsaw? So we are called to indirectly empower our future, which means giving them life skills, which means giving them clarity on the ability they have. And we cannot do that as moms, as dads, unless we create an opportunity to empower them. So my challenge to you today is, look for these types of things because you need, your children need it to prepare them for the future. I mean, what a nice feeling to use a chainsaw and be able to say, say to your mates, hey, my mom let me use a chainsaw. I think it's pretty cool. The thing is, we are raising husbands, we are raising wives, we are raising protectors, we are raising nurturers. And you know what? This village needs to get the act together. Why do you think Kurt and I are so passionate about these people? We have had this property in our lives for 10 years. Ten years, we have dreamt about what it's going to be like because we're wanting children to get dirty like the old days. We want children to overcome obstacle courses. We want children to be in the fresh air, huge space where they can act banshee and roll around in the grass. And we cannot do that without you. Oasis is a family church. When we established this church, I was, my Jesse was like five, Josh was like two-ish, and the reality is when I, I looked at the churches around me, and I noticed how many people took people like me with others and shoved them in a dingy dark room, devastated me. And that's why as a church we are adamant that we will not force any parent with their toddler into a dingy dark room because this is where they belong. Not in a corner, not in a back room. They are welcome in this place. 
I want my grandchild to walk into this building and be able to walk freely here. Obviously with respect. Don't get me wrong. I'm not endorsing disruptive behavior. But your children need to know that they are safe in this building. This is not a museum. Oasis Family Church Farm is not a museum. We are creating the perfect space for you to raise up our young people. It is a perfect place for women who have no children, who have the gift of makeup, to come and mother girls and help them with their makeup so they don't look like. <laughs> Moving on. There's no need for makeup tutorials if you're so freaking beautiful that Father created you to be who you called to be, but yet you insist on plastering your face like a mom. Or should I say a clown? I'm sorry for girls who have makeup. I endorse it, I love it. But man, when I put a lot of makeup on, I feel like I'm way too dumb. And you know what? When you wake up in the morning, don't forget your husband needs to see you one day. You just look the same as when he met you. We want Oasis Family Church to have a woman that's going to say, gosh, I love baking. Come girls, we're going to learn how to make carrot cake. I want fathers in this house to say, come boys, we're going to build steps, ladders, whatever is required. Because we have to empower them. This cell phone does not empower your child. This cell phone distorts what your child believes they need to be. I'm sorry guys, but I'm not going to lie. Have you ever noticed how I mean, our kids, our grandbabies have all been uh, born with the cell phone era and they detest a cell phone? When Kurt and I are with them and we hold the cell phone, they instinctively come up to us and they push it away. Or they take it and they run and they throw it away. Does that not say something? It says you're looking at this thing, but I'm right here. Hello? And you're going, okay, just wait. Mom's just checking something quick. Wait. Guess what? There's a message option. There's no need for an instant hello, sorry. Oops, I'm busy with my grandkids. There's no need for that. We need to allow each other, we need to release each other from the responsibility of instinctively answering a cell phone and a WhatsApp. Because you know what, if it's a phone call and you can't leave a message, well, that's on you. Clearly, it's not that important. If it's a WhatsApp and I don't respond immediately, hello, did it ever occur to you I'm doing like really deep quality time with my family? And I'm not entitled to that. Because that's what I want you to teach your children. Moms, I want your children to come to you first before they Google PMS. All they get is distorted information on who's who and what's what and how we should be and how we shouldn't be. And all it does is put pressure on them to the place where they don't know where they fit in, what they're supposed to be doing and what their response should be. And it is your duty to teach them these things. I'm very, very passionate about children because I'm scared of where they're going. 
So if there's any young people here who are keen to do some sort of adult understanding teenage workshop, hey, please come and see me and we'll open it up. And you can teach us how to be good parents because we're battling and we're trying so hard. If I look at the amount of mommies who take their kids out for a coffee or a milkshake and it's a matter of, okay, honey, can you, can you just get off your phone so we can have a minute? And then they huff and puff, put their phone down, they go like, yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, the wind's out now. I just, I don't know what to say anymore because now no matter what I've said, I've, there's a platform of I'm not personally interested right now because my cell phone's more important. Anyway, the reason why I'm pushing this point is I was doing research about you know, the generations, you've got the millennials and the baby boomers and all these peoples. Guys, this generation is called Generation Alpha. And Generation Alpha is for children that are born since 2010 and 2025. They also said that a nickname for this generation is the Glass Generation. Because swipe, 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 swipe. Information, glass. Everything they get is from glass. So before they argue with you, they'll Google your mom, X, Y, Z, and you've got this glass thing. But it's not touchable. It's not tangible. It has no feeling. And we need to teach our children to stand up for what they believe in. We need to teach our children to say yes is yes and no is no. We need to teach our children that boundaries are important. The amount of children who don't participate in any sort of sport in this day and age is very scary. But I realize life has changed. But at the same time, my advice to you is your child desperately needs a team sport of some sorts. They need to understand what it means to be let down. They need to understand that you can't always win. And they need to understand that they're good days and bad days. And as a team member, you're a team player. And you need to learn to navigate that life stream. Because all us, Oblas and Omas and grown-up people here all went through team. We understand team. We understand letting the team down. But the thing is, if your children don't have an opportunity to do that, how do they navigate it? How do they not fall pieces, fall to pieces when they have a bad day? Because they've never experienced and, and and correct me. How? Is it that your children can have a bad day and fall to pieces and when you go, what happened? This one doesn't like me. Which is normal. But if they had been exposed to a lot of personalities like teens, they would understand that everybody has bad days. There are days when people don't like you. And even as grown-ups, there are days people don't like you. And they need to understand that it's not because they're 12. This is a normal development issue. No matter whether you're 50, 60, you are always going to be challenged. There are always going to be people who dislike you. And there will be people that are going to correct you. And there are days where you're going to have to eat humble pie. So you cannot wrap your child up in cotton wool and at 16 when they have a bad day, they have a meltdown and you go, don't worry, it's okay. It'll, it'll, it's fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll go to the teacher. Hello. 
How are you teaching your child to stand their ground and to fight their battles? And this is why I'm saying to you, moms, you don't have to be a, a toddler mom, an infant mom. You are a mom irrespective of where you are in your motherhood season. But it doesn't stop there. Our children need you. Our children need you. And we can't, cannot get caught up in all sorts of nonsense. And I just want to specifically say to you that in our journey of ministry, which is like 30 years now, um, Kurt and I did the Sunday school thing before we planted church. We did the youth thing. And then we stopped that. Then we started Oasis. And then Kurt and I still did the youth thing for a couple of months before we got in help because there was no one else. But we did get to the place where we realized we were clearly pretty irrelevant and kids didn't want to listen to old buddies anymore. Which is normal. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying to you is recognize your season. Look for help when you feel you're not coping because there's people around you who would gladly encourage you and build you up and journey whatever it is with you. I've had young girls come to us early days of ministry, many moons ago. We get frantic phone calls from a landline, guys, guess what? Um, my sister wants, my sister's pregnant, she, she wants to abort a baby, and we like, what? And they come to our house, and we've sat there for three hours, begging a 14-year-old to please not abort her child. And thank you, Jesus, I'm friends with her on Facebook now, and she's probably got about six kids. And you know what the best part is? They're not all biologically hers. She developed a passion to take in those who did not have parents that were orphaned. What about the foster mothers? Kurt and I went through that season as well, where, long story short, but this lady I did offer my help, and so when I was temping at the time, she arrived at a house with her baby and said, here, Chantal said, you'd help me with this baby. Anyway, a year later, we looked after this baby boy. It doesn't mean that he was any different because he wasn't biologically ours. It just meant we had an opportunity to change a child's foundation and perception of relationship and acceptance. I've had other little girls put into our house and stay with us for about two, three weeks because they didn't want to go home and I've had to journey with them. Oh my goodness, this feels like such a heavy message. And I'm sorry. But it's actually really cool because I'm trying to give you hope and love. I'm trying to make every woman who has a womb feel significant. The world needs you. Oasis Family Church needs you. We don't want to beg and plead for Sunday school helpers or youth volunteers. Goodness gracious, and we cannot afford to pay you. Danger pay. <laughs> but the reality is, we need you. We're not saying you're going to walk around with a policeman with a taser, which I did suggest, but it's not practical. That is not what we're asking you. We're asking you to merely be available. Just be available. Then you can get to experience firsthand what our children are enduring. My favorite part of a bunch of other things that I have done for our church, 
first season I did Sunday school. It was the best part of my life. I was so passionate about those kids. And every Sunday seeing a change. It was incredible. But I had to release them to somebody who was better equipped, like Nicola, who has two young daughters. At the time I had purple hair. And um, so I used to dance with the kids and do some hip hop with them and act all silly billy and tell the boys how stinky they were because they weren't wearing deodorant. And you know what? We laughed a lot. And my most special moment was when a friend, a couple came to our church a couple of weekends ago and um, they had their son with us and he hadn't been to our church for quite a while. And on the way to church, he said to his mom, listen, mom, do you think that lady with the purple hair will remember me? Man, did that move my heart. Because I remember him. He was very anxious. And he didn't really want to go to Sunday school unless he could see me. I was not his mother. I just loved him like my own. Is that not what we call to? If we're called to love one another as adults, it should be even easier to love little ones and little people and to see them become brave and tell them they can do anything. They can do anything. They've got so much time. We were parents that encouraged our kids. Well, Josh, Jessica was one of our cautious, cautious children. We got her a scooter, she went up and back. She did it in the corner, she crashed in that visit. Never again. Whereas Joshua and Twelve was driving. And this was years ago. And um, I had a debate with somebody a little while ago about their, their children that are like 17, going on 18. And uh, this person was saying to me that my children aren't really into public events. So um, they, they really don't want to go to this family function. I was like, how is that possible that our children can say, uh, I'm not into public things, so I'm not going to Oprah's birthday party. Or I'm not going to a wedding because uh, I'm not into people. What? Do you remember being little and having family events and you had no choice and you had to hang with your irritating cousins? What happened? Did you not learn valuable lessons during that time? You learned family. You learned that family is there for each other, no matter what, no matter when, and especially when there's a celebration. So I challenged this dear lady and I said to her, I'm really concerned. I said, your sons are 17 years old. They cannot fry an egg. They cannot drive a car. They don't know how to use a washing machine. What are you creating? You do realize that by the time you leave, they leave school, you're going to be a glorified orphan. And you haven't taught them anything about life. They know nothing. And that's tragic. Mothers, your boys can be 12 and they can learn to use a washing machine. In our family, we have rules. If I was in a really bad mood, really cranky, at the time, I'd call family meetings. And I'd say, guys, you want X, Y, Z, you want X, Y, Z, but listen to me very carefully here. We are a team. And if mommy's grumpy, 
the whole family suffers. <laughs> so I'm telling you something now, before you approach me for anything, ensure that your chores are done. Ensure that what I asked you to do has been done. Because we're a team. When dad suffers, we suffer. When mom suffers, we suffer. We are a team. So if your kids are not going to do families, I mean, uh, sport of any sorts or stuff like that, start endorsing family meetings where they hold a jolly wooden spoon and they tell you what's on their mind. And you all take a turn. Sit around the supper table if you don't do that anymore. Sit wherever you are and go, guys, let's talk. What made you happy? What made you sad? What made you angry today? How else are they ever going to learn to communicate if you don't create the atmosphere? How else are they going to get to learn to roll in the mud if you don't roll with them? When was the last time you acted silly? They need that. They need that. And most of all, the one thing I always say to moms, and I remind myself when I look at young people, I go, you know what, what did I need when I was their age? Because it's probably a heck of a lot more than what they need now. And we seem to be of the opinion that every young girl is saved, and every young boy is saved, and everything's wonderful. But you know what, there's a lot of children that come into your home that are friends of your kids, that aren't, and they have no idea what church is. And Kurt and I had this arrangement as well, where our house was the party house before we did ministry. And then when we went into ministry, we always created the atmosphere where our home was the safe place. But at the same time, if Joshua's mates would pull in there, I'd tune them stuff and if they were out of line. But they used to think it was hysterical. And the funniest thing is when Joshua had a wedding night with one of his friends that we knew from junior school specifically, we had built quite a relationship with them when they were in junior school. And you know, when he was, he was at Joshua's wedding and he ran around screaming high and low for the photographer because he wanted a picture of him and myself and then separate picture, him and Kurt. He says, I need a picture of you guys because you were not parents to me. And I was like, wow, we were so dizzy at the time, little did we know. But we were the safe place. Sometimes not such a safe place, but a very, the best we could. I mean, we had a kid that Joshua took in because he'd run away from home. We didn't know, we just thought he was hanging at our house because he's perched out of town. Meanwhile, he'd run away from home. The reality is, we taught our children that our home was a safe place. And we don't have secrets. We discuss horrible, nasty, dirty stuff. We don't keep score. But most of all, we love unconditionally and we empower as best we can. So this morning, that is my plea to you. Because I can spend hours talking here, but I'm getting a bit nervous now because you guys are so serious. I'm so scared you're going to go home and repent. And I'm not telling you to repent and burn and you've messed up, guys. I'm just saying, oh, Aces Family Church is building a farm for your children. Where are they? Where are your grandkids? It's for you. It's for our future. It's not for us old buddies. We're going to sit around the fire and point fingers and laugh. And they're going to point fingers and laugh at us as well. But that's the idea. 
Trust me, when you become a grandparent, you want them to laugh at you. Because then at least you know they're at least watching you. My little granddaughter, I've always been a tutor girl. Haven't worn them for many moons, but I have three. So when she was in her tutu and her gumboots, it was like, hello. I was in my element, but I didn't tell her to wear a tutu and love it. Then the other day she got wings. <laughs> so she was running around with her wings and her goat. And I was like, wow, is that not the way it should be? And she might not be in an academic home where computers are everywhere and stuff like that. But she is so in tune with human feelings. She understands things. Then I have my darling Eli, who is just such a sharp little man. It's incredible. But the thing is, you have to take authority. Screen time is important. Your children do need to know how to use cell phones. All these things hear my heart here. But at the, th at the same time, is you cannot give it to them and walk away. Because I did that once with Eli. He was watching something on YouTube that I put on for him. And when I came back, he was on Google researching all sorts of things. Because the pictures were called Pink. So he had about 10 different things open, and I was like, whoops. But that's how easy it can happen. One wrong click, one wrong swap, and your child will be traumatized for life. So I'm saying to you, pay attention to what your children are doing on these little technologies. I mean, things happen really, really, really fast. The other thing I want to challenge you to, when was the last time you actually sat with your kid and watched the cartoons they to? I love doing that. Misha, Marsha the Bear, my favorite. But the thing is, she's very destructive. Very destructive. And the other day I said to her, oh, she's so cute. But flip, she's actually very destructive. <laughs> but you've got to watch what your kids are watching. Watch what they're watching. Because little seeds are being planted. Little seeds are being planted. And you want them to know that you are their reality radar. And you are their safe place. But thank you for having children. You have a nice life now. <laughs> I'm just joking. But I'm just saying please. Please look to your left. Please look to your right. Don't say I'm a widow. Don't say I have no children. Don't say I lost my children. We need you. We need you. And there's no age gap. There's no age gap. So please, moms, if you can bake, if you can do beads, if you can do whatever, let's do a workshop. Hey, tweeters, let's have a workshop. Let's talk about what you like and how us all these mess up. Why don't you do a preaching one Sunday? Sure. Well, you, that Martin boy there that's sitting over there, I'm sure he could do an incredible teaching. We underestimate the power of these kids and the Holy Spirit within them. So let's remember that. Speak life, speak life, speak life. Teach them life. Show them life skills. Put your brave on. Believe God is who he is. Refuse to listen to the voice of doubt. Align with God's word. Value who he created you to be. And eliminate your comfort zone. And that's all I'm going to leave with you today. And bless you. And thank you.
Amen. You have got to We'll do a counseling session for all you guys who got raptured. Oh, raptured. <laughs> guys, we're gonna we're gonna get up, stand up, and we're gonna take up our thousand offerings this morning. And if there's 